Hi, everybody, and welcome to Paul Lisnick Behind the Curtain, my chance to step away from the worlds of politics and law that you watch me cover all the time on the television side of WGN. And now we get to talk about the arts and theater and work a little magic sometimes here on the Behind the Curtain podcast. And I use that introduction intentionally because joining me now is really one of the greatest magicians who has been in this city in quite some time, been here before, but he's here now through January 7th up at the Rhapsody Theater. If you haven't seen his show, you need to say hi to Jamie Allen. Jamie, how are you? I'm very well, Paul. Thanks for having me on. And no magic green screens. You're actually at the Rhapsody Theater now, aren't you? No, I am. I spend I spend far more time working on the show than I do actually performing it, and that's quite a lot. Wow. <laughs> well, I have seen the show. I, everybody I see who loves magic, I tell them to go see you. And I and I think one of the things differences about you. There's a lot of magicians. You know, Chicago is a magic town, right? I don't need to tell Absolutely, you. Absolutely. Yeah, very famous magic town. Very much. One of the things that really impressed me about your show is that not only do you see do a lot of things that we haven't seen before, and with all candor, there's a couple of things, because I see a lot of magic, I've seen them elsewhere. However, the way you present them, even if it's a, if it's a, 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 a trick I've seen someone else do, it's different when you do it, because you do it with story, you do it with prose, you do it with emotion. So when you put this act together, did you view this as I experienced it almost as a theatrical production? I did. It was my first chance to tell a story about me and what I believe magic is. Um, up until now, I've mostly worked in a commercial arena. I mean, we brought a show in 2018 to the Harris Theatre, a very commercial magic show. Much bigger space. Yeah, very, very big. And, and bigger illusions and things to go with that. But uh, in this show, during COVID, I really started getting back to what it was that I loved about it. And I, and I also feel that we're in a, I think we're in a strange time right now where Somebody demonstrated to me recently an incredible piece of virtual reality equipment that was viewing for viewing theatre from home. And you could sit in a seat and look around and see your friends. And they said, oh, don't worry, theatre will always be there. And I said, you know what? I think that we're in the black and white movies and the talkies are coming. I said, I think that this is changing it. And I think people are looking more and more for an experience. I know that I am. More of a connection with the audience. It works both ways. I get to connect with a smaller audience do more magic that can involve them. They get more involved in it. I, I think it's a better experience all round. Um, and I think the magic plays better in a smaller room. So I'm, I'm really excited about what we've created. And, and I love the fact that, as you said, Paul, there is a, a narrative arc to the show. There is a point to it. Well, there's an emotion to it. I'm not going to give anything away, but there's just you sort of where you begin and where you end like a good play uh, or like a good story, I mean, they are not disconnected pieces. No. No. It, it, no, they are not. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, just with, you know, in, in many ways, we end in a similar place to where we start with a different thought process. Yeah. Well, yeah. By the way, where, where is home for you? I, I live just outside of London. I live in a little uh, town called Fleet in Hampshire, which is about 30 minutes from London. Um and um, close to Heathrow Airport, <laughs> uh, which is kind of useful for me. Funnily enough, I now I hardly ever work in England. I seem to spend more of my time working abroad than I do in my home country. And I think that's mainly because magic is not quite as popular in England. It's a harder sell. Um, we do we do work there, and people are always saying, "When are you going to tour in England again?" And I think well, I much prefer working in the states, Paul, because the audience is so much more into magic in the nicest possible way. Americans still know how to dream. 
Uh, and I mean that in the nicest, kindest possible way, because the English can be a little cynical. Um, and and also, with respect to my fellow Brits, they can be a little, okay, yes, very good. And I don't want to give up that emotion that I think is so important to magic. You know? Well, I'll, I'll say what you want. I have British cousins, and I can tell you they're downright snobby sometimes. But you want sometimes. To- and I'm just Sometimes. speaking about my family. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and plus, the queen was always good for a little sleight of hand from time to time, wasn't she? She would always very good, very good. So, one of the things you've done—I've been to Rhapsody many times—and Ricardo Rosencrantz, who who runs that theater, he's a magi- he's the physician magician uh, that that yeah. people know so well, and he's the one who's really dedicated to making magic and other things happen in that space. But one Absolutely. of the things that I love is that you've you've gotten him to do something a little bit different because right now I see behind you that video screen amaze. Now I don't remember seeing that before you came into that space. Yeah, we brought the wall into the theater. It's now going to live here after we depart. Um, and uh, it, it's part of the technical requirements of our show. I mean, you've seen the show, Paul. You'll see that we make tremendous use of this stuff. I mean, all of the additional lighting here is ours anyway. In fact, we have, um, I think we have over 70 moving lights in the building, most of which are not on stage because we came here right from tour. So um, we tried to cram as much. Produ- I love the idea of having a small space and having overwhelming production value in it. Oh, yeah, it, it was a very different experience. And I told Ricardo afterwards, by the way, that it's just, it, it's amazing. I'm glad it's staying because I hope other magicians will take advantage of it. But for you, it's integral to what you do. I mean, between, again, not giving things away, but let's just say there's some movies, there's some different things that come up. And yes. let me ask you this, if this is fair. So when we watch, I think I could say whole movies, right? When we are seeing what our yeah, absolutely. Movies. Yes, of course we can. Are they all historical and real to you? I think virtually everything in the show is, is real. The only thing... I think we had to edit one photograph um, just because the um, just because of the time. Uh, but I don't think that I no, I think I think everything in the show is is, is legitimate. Um, so you've been able to take your life and basically yeah. see the magic in it and turn because, again, without giving anything away, what we see is critical to what you do. Yes, it is. It is. Yes. I mean, obviously, we have a certain stylistic quality to certain things because we have to tell a story. And um, but we, everything that we're saying is the truth, uh, and and that's really hard when you're starting with a magic show from the story-led point of view. We didn't want to lie to the audience, so there was that you know because it's so easy with a trick. You you if you've seen magicians before, Paul, no doubt they pull something out and say, "This was my granddad's favorite trick." Always. It's a standard thing. But in this case, we've really tried to make everything be as close to the truth as humanly possible, uh, just to get uh, just to try and make it a real telling of a a, a tale. And uh, as I say, a a journey of finding the show is called Amaze, which obviously we said. And it's, you know, the whole thing is about the journey of what is amazement, that amazement we sense when we're children. um, How do we reconnect with it? What's its value to us in today's world? And, And what's its value to me? And what is magic? Is the show always called The Maze, or if you return to Rhapsody in a year, whenever that may be, will there be a different show? Is this something that you you, you foster and modify? I mean, they, I would imagine that this show has been... I, I, under normal circumstances, I would change shows, but <laughs> I think that... And whilst I would keep the title for a while, yes, we probably would change um, a degree of the magic within the show whilst keeping the format of it. But it's my guess, Paul, that uh, we don't, you don't very often get kind of a lightning in a bottle thing. And we've done many things. And, you know, in show business, some things great work can hit and some just doesn't. And this one, for whatever reason, seems to have reviewed very well across the board. 
And for that reason alone, I think that this show may have a little bit of life in it. Um, so I'll be interested to see where that road takes us, but we're not counting our chickens yet. And one of the one of the things I think you you are very well known for is your use of iPads. Uh, yeah. What you do with this is amazing. Which, by the way, is what because you've been on Penn and Teller. That is what you did on Penn and Teller, right? Is my memory correct on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the original version of it. Yes, it's yeah. yours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and by the way, what do you forget? Penn and Teller is great magicians. I'm not asking you that, but how important their show Fool Us, which you've been on. How important is that? Do you think to a growing increase, at least for me, of, of, of the fascination with magic? I think it's really important. I didn't think when I did Fool Us, I did it because, frankly, I fancied the week in Vegas, and it was just nice to go and do a, a TV show that I knew. I didn't think that it had huge numbers, but I must say, I get so many people that saw me on on Fool Us, probably more so than a lot of prime time shows that I've done, that have many millions of views, but yet they don't seem to have the um, target audience. So, I mean, when I did Fool Us, I, was, uh, I wasn't really expecting much of it. And I always get people always mention it to me. Yeah, well, and rightly so. And by the way, let's remind people, did you fool Penn and Teller? Oh, I did not. But I mean, there was no way I could have done. I mean, I know Penn and Teller. They know the trick. There's no, there's <laughs> no. And in fact, you'll remember, Paul, that I actually introduced the trick here by saying, this won't fool you. You know how it's done. Like it's right. But but it was good TV. They they wanted me to do that trick. Actually, originally they wanted me to do another trick on Fooler's, which is a big illusion that I have with many television sets. Um, and at the time, because we were on tour logistically, we could not get the illusion to Las Vegas and back onto the road. So um, they said, "Well, we would still like you to do it. Would you like to do your iPad trick?" And I said, "Sure." I mean, I went on knowing full well there was no way in a million years that trick could possibly fool them. But, um, but as I say, in fact, Penn and Teller have been great to me. Penn is a friend of mine, and Penn actually gave me a um, uh, and Teller, of course. But Penn went through it and gave me a piece of magic that's in this show. Oh, that's, uh, that's a piece from their show. Can you tell us what that is? Which which one it is? It's the thing with the coin. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, there we go. Thanks to Penn and Teller. I got to be when they were in town. I, I had um, Ricardo brought me up to to spend some time with Teller. And so for those who don't know, yes, he actually does speak. Yes, he does. He speaks beautifully. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> you know, you travel with Natalie, right? Who's also uh, I guess she lives in London because she has the same accent as you. And, That's right. Uh, lovely person. I'm always curious because after the show, you meet everybody who's there, which is wonderful of you to do. You stand in the lobby. Everybody gets to take photos with you. And um, oh, always. Yeah, there's even some Jamie Allen magic boxes people can there buy as gifts. Perfect time to sell them, Christmas time. Um, but I remember this young kid that came up and just said, can you tell me how you do all your tricks? Yes. You did. That was very nice of you. No, I'm kidding. You <laughs> but I do wonder this. Does Natalie, every magician seems to have assistants, things like that. Do they, does she know how you do everything because she has to? Yes, everything. Yes, uh, and they do have to. Everybody on the show has to understand it because they have to be prepared for... In a live magic show, I mean, we're, we're doing quite well. Our, 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 our ratio is pretty high, but, I mean, things do go wrong. Um, that You know, when you're dealing with so many variables, so many tricks that often have multiple methods, multiple reactions from different people that all behave in different ways, from time to time, things do change live. Um and in fact, when we were being reviewed one night, one of our tricks ended up in a completely different position to where we started, where we thought it was going to end. 
Um, but wait, does that 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 doesn't sound the way you're saying it? Didn't sound like a bad thing. It wasn't as though we saw how you. No, it was. Thing. It was a bad thing for me at the time because I had to work extra hard to get it to the conclusion that I required. But I mean, you've always you've always won to a degree when the audience don't particularly realise that something has gone wrong. The the beauty of magic is the safety net of it is that most people don't know how the trick is going to end. Right. So if you can find any kind of conclusion, sometimes that's okay. I mean, very. There's been a few times in my life, but mostly, you know, only times in my life where we've had a problem is when there's a technical failure with the show or things. But touch wood, as yet, I've never had a trick go wrong to the point where we've just had to say, "No, we just couldn't do it." You know, I asked you this when I when I saw you uh, at WGN TV studios in the morning. Yes. You perform, you perform for our morning show, and everybody loved you. Um, <laughs> but one of the things I asked you, I'm going to ask you here again which is I once talked to a, a magician who said, because I'm one of those idiots who tries to figure it out and I can't figure anything out. Um, <laughs> but he once said to me, if you knew how we did what we did, you'd be disappointed. So just enjoy the wonder and the amazement. True statement? That's very, yeah, it's very accurate. I know how everything works and I find it constantly disappointing. Um, <laughs> and in fact, when you really look at the narrative of the show, my amazement is really the reaction not that you know what i get out of my show as a magician is what you get out of it not because there is no magic to me so one of the things you do i don't i you know i i'll take things to a point where you can choose to say more if you want to but there's a trick you you do for us that you tell us was taught to you by a master magician that was his famous trick and he ultimately brought you on and at one point he said I, okay, I'm prepared to teach you this now and to give it to you. And you, and you that's do it right. Yes. So yes. I'm and assuming it, all that is true. That is true, yeah. And it's not an exclusive trick to him. It was a routine that he did. It's a series of uh, moves. It's not, uh, it is by no means a one-of-a-kind thing. It's it's a, it's a, an art which we would call stage manipulation for magic. You know, you've got close-up magic, you've got comedy magic, mentalism, stage illusion. And then you've got these acts that are kind of, of the old-time vaudeville, which are manipulation acts where they would produce cards, coins, balls, this sort yeah. of thing. Um, and often these acts were front of cloth, six, eight-minute vaudeville artists that would spend their entire life just performing this one short act. And there are still acts like that today. A lot of um, incredible magicians from South Korea that are going around the world that have these incredible shows that are just six minutes long. And they, they can build an entire career from this one thing because it's so good. Uh, and this this falls more into that remit of it. And I wouldn't even go so far as to say that I'm the best in the world at it. It's something I worked really hard at as a child. It means a lot to me because it was given to me. Um, and, and and I also think it's an art form in magic that is dying. That side of it, that sort of stage manipulation, it's more about you know the upsurge in street magic, close-up magic, just doing magic to expose it on YouTube to get likes and views. You know, the, these kind of things that some people used to think that we'd get worried about, but doesn't really seem to affect anything. Um, but yes, yes, it, it is true. Um, and it, and it, it is something that I feel a duty to keep going because it's a nod to the past. And I, I get the impression, if my memory is right, you said it took you about seven years to learn that trick. Is, is that right? Yes, because it's not a trick. So it's, it's, a, it's series. a skill. That's it's a skill. A, yeah, it's, it's as close as you can get with magic to, I would say, juggling 
where you know you can learn to throw three balls and catch them reasonably quickly but when you see a professional juggler and they're doing all of the bits in between yes the the, the total sum of those things did take me that amount of time to get it to the point that i could do everything that was shown to me when i was 10 but i mean i could do certain elements of it reasonably quickly and certain parts parts of it i actually had to wait till my hands grew a little bit because i was just struggling to physically maneuver the the items <laughs> yeah i have no i watched that thing and i just i'm fascinated by it and i just i just have no idea other but than somebody think, oh it's paul, sleight of hand you know they, they, they got it down but they don't know what you're doing but don't you sort of think paul when you watch it i always i always like to believe the audience to a degree kind of understand what must be going on but just can't see it and that's what makes it impressive yeah, exactly. Oh, you mean if I, well, you know, when you were at our TV studios, I will admit, I kind of moved when you, you did the iPad thing and I tried to move over to the side going, maybe I can sneak a peek and see how he's doing this sort of thing. Um, although I didn't really, the, the truth is I didn't do that that much. I don't know that I really wanted yeah. to know. It's, it's, I mean, but those sort of things, I mean, you, again, you, you, you do already know how it's done, but it's one of those routines where you just watch, we've got the magic in our show fit, it fits into one or two criteria. They're either real foolers real tricks that are a real what? And then we've got things that I think fall under the category of more beautiful magic, which would be the iPads, the cards that we're talking about. It would be things like the shape of my heart or, or the, the trick with the glass, where it's just something that we can just watch and it's pretty. Um, and it, you know, it gives us that, a moment of escapism. It also gives us uh, a moment to pause because if you keep hitting people over the head with dynamite every time, it gets too much. So you need, if you show them, I, I open the show with two, I would say two very strong tricks that are both, both of them are um, real head scratches. And then we do something that's a little funny, then something that's pretty and then something that's puzzling. And then we build our way back up to something that's a real knockout again. But there is a, there is a flow to it and an arc. And that only comes from time of doing the show a long time or working a long time to try and work out how much of it people can take in one go? Well, I got to tell you, I, the, the, when you said glass, you're talking about the paint of glass trick with the, yes. with the yeah. So I was last night. I was at a show, and uh, joining me was a friend, Frank Metchia, who was from WCPT Radio. He brought that up. He brought that because I told him I was going to talk to, him, and he goes, "How did he do that?" And it's, we're talking about <laughs> again, not giving too much away, but it's something you sort of pass through the glass and whatever doesn't seem possible. So there are certain tricks that really stick with people who this was a few weeks ago. And yet here just last night, he was like, that drove me crazy how he's doing that. Um, you, you can always tell Paul, do you know how you can tell no reaction when a trick's really good, you get a very subdued reaction. And at first you think it's because the trick is the magician. You go, ah, this one's probably not hitting. I should take it out of the show. And then after a while, you you realize, no, it's because people are thinking about it. <laughs> right. I'm one of those ones who's trying to figure out every step that, that you're making and doing along the way. If you were in a situation, you know, I, I don't know if you've had a chance. If, do you know Dan, Dennis Watkins, who's here at the Magic Parlor? Uh, we've, had a, we've had an email with Dennis. I'm hoping that we can find a night off so that we can go down and watch his show. I, I hope you do. You, you'll enjoy. Yeah. It. It's very fun, beautiful environment, and all of that. But but so is the Rhapsody Theater. But but the reason is that what he'll do is he'll do a little after show, and, and it's something you might want to do one day. But it's a little thing where it's like an encore, so some people can stay after, and they purchase tickets for that. And it's table magic, and he does a lot of things. One of the things he does is kind of like the 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 pee in the balls thing, right? A pee in the cup, yes. I mean, and uh, pee meaning a pee. <laughs> um, and I'm sort of curious, like if you're on the streets of New York or something where those guys are there three card Monty and they're doing all of that, because that's because Dennis does that. And I'm watching him do it. And I think I see when he switches it, and he moves it around the third, second position. I'm always wrong. 
if you watched him do it and or if you were with those street guys in New York, will you get it right? Well, the answer to that is no, if they were just trying to fool somebody that knew how it worked, because you can both manipulate where it is or not do it. So if you were playing it as a fair cheat, let's say, where I am going to mix them up and really my goal using my skill is to manoeuvre it to a place where you genuinely don't know where it is. So my hope is my advantage is that you're going to think it's there because you're pretty sure you've watched it there. Um, and then it turns out to be somewhere else. And that's a fair cheat, I would say, because you're... But in that case, no, I wouldn't know because if they if they were trying to fool me, then if if they do the move exactly the same and don't move the thing, then I wouldn't know where it was. So you wouldn't but, see him do it? You would... you. Oh, no, I'd see them do it, but I'm saying that magicians can fool magicians by pretending to do the move, but not actually doing it. <laughs> do you like the magicians are in your audience? Do you want other magicians to come see you? Uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's always lovely when the magicians come in. Yes, I mean, and, they, they're, and they're usually so receptive and they sit at the back. I mean, the only time I don't like it is when, you know, I'll be here. And it's happened here at the theatre when I'm watching the show, I'm seeing before the pre-show, and there's a magician in, and they're going around the table showing the rest of the audience magic. And that, I find that <laughs> very, very, very frustrating because it does make me want to kind of shout out, it's not your show today. <laughs> well, that's got, that would be true with hecklers. I mean, I'm sure all live performers, yeah. you know, get that. Although, once again, I should, I should, Ricardo would probably want to talk about just the atmosphere of the Rhapsody Theater. It is intimate. Um, you know, everybody can play a role in this. I love the fact that you use the back of the room as you need. You don't put anybody on the spot. You're respectful. I didn't see anybody who was, you know, where you'd get a vibe, which was leave me alone. And you said, I will not leave you alone. That's not how you work. No, 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 no. no. I, I want to make sure we want to get consent from everybody that wants to do it. And I want people that want to be involved in it. And also, by tr there's an old school of thought from old cabaret performers where you just drag somebody up and make a fool of them. And Really, there's no there's no vehicle in that anymore. There's no that it, it's cruel to the people. You put them in a situation they don't want to be in. I don't think it's good if you're trying to be true to what you're doing, which in my case is magic. I want the person on stage to be as uh, have as much joy as possible from it, um, and that's a difficult thing if you're forcing them to be there. Like my show is, I'm more about wonder than trying to get cheap laughs. In fact, there are no cheap laughs. I don't do any jokes at people's expense, and I yeah. make a big point about never doing that. Yeah. Do you have you ever had a broad audience members up that that I mean, you need to be the star of the show. Do you ever bring somebody up that you're like, oh, I picked the wrong person for whatever reason that is? Really, I never, it never never to a bad point. I mean, you, you get you, you get people that are wonderful and people that are quiet. And every now and again, you you never really get people that are difficult. I've so when I was young, I didn't want to choose people that wanted to come up because I yeah, thought the one who they, raised their hand. Ooh, ooh, pick me, pick me. Yeah, I always thought they're the people to avoid because they uh, they might be trouble. <laughs> and th that is still true. But actually, I've found now I only want to choose people that want to come up. Um, and I've never had a I've never really had a problem with that either, unless it's something where it's a, a random selection. That's the only risks we fall. If we're doing something where we're going to choose somebody by throwing somebody, picking somebody at random, then we don't really know how that's going to play out. But then equally, we're not going to give that person a large role. If it's somebody that we're going to pick to bring to the stage to participate, I'm yeah. trying to look at, it, look at them in the eyes, trying to get a read on what I think that they're like. And, uh, but I never know. That's good, though. 
you know, once again, here you are at the Rhapsody. We talk about the fact there are many places for magic here in this city, and each has their own charm. Maybe aside from a personal friendship you might have with Ricardo Rosencrantz, but what what is it about working the Rhapsody as opposed to the Harris and not beyond the size issue of the room? What is it you like about working in that room? Because it looks seems to me like it's a fabulous room to work. It is a fabulous room to work. Um, I had seen the theatre when Ricardo first took over the venue because I happened to have a show in town then called Magic Immersive at 360 North State Street, the Museum for Broadcast. And uh, so Tommy, Tommy Bond, my production manager, my partner, business partner, and I came down to the theatre. We had a little tour with Ricardo when he'd just literally just taken on space. And he said then, you know, you should bring something here. So I think at that point it, it entered my mind about doing it. Um, and we, I've been planning to do a smaller show for quite a long time now. Uh, I, I think it's a model that, as we were saying about earlier, that will work in the future. I think that it's, I think people like it more. So yeah, I saw it as an, as an ideal opportunity to to come and try it in a longer run. So we're, we were here for seven weeks from when we opened, yeah. and that's the longest run I've done in one single place. And, and I'm really happy that we did because it gives the show time to breathe and to uh, to develop. And, uh, you know, I think we're giving it a chance. And, and, and I think that the theatre, I mean, we, we built the show knowing that it was going to be in this theatre. So the interesting thing will be, what's it going to be like in a different venue now? Um, but yes, we did build it from the ground up for the venue. And, uh, and it's tight here because, I mean, we're filling everything. Because behind that LED wall is Ricardo's bookcases. <laughs> um, you know, so there's a library back there behind there. So if the, it, it, otherwise that wall would be another... Meter is, back. Is, is his skull sitting back there too? Uh, his... Everything's back there. Okay. I tell you what, to get across before the show, it's uh, it's that that's the magic trick, Paul. Trying to get behind <laughs> the wall to the other side of the stage. That is the the single most challenging moment. <laughs> I love it. Now, by the way, when you're at the Museum of Broadcast, did you happen to go into the Paul Listnick Gallery, which is there at the museum? Um, I or maybe I you didn't didn't realize it. I don't know. It was at the museum. The, the actual museum of broadcast was closed when we were there. Oh. We took over the top two floors and we built this big immersive magic show in there um, with Penn and Teller. And I got David Copperfield to help us with some of the displays. Yeah, I things. was there. I was there for the opening of that. That's right. And yeah. it, yes. Well, the museum itself was actually on the lower floors than whatever. Anyway, that's I just thought I would bring yeah. that up because much of my collection is there. We'll show it to you some other time. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love to see it, but it was just when I, when I went because it was during COVID times. It, uh, yes. The museum downstairs was actually closed. And as you watch that change, and I know you talk somewhat about the pandemic and, and COVID with all this, but have things come back to where you want them? Is, is there still room? You know, for example, I mean, theaters are still struggling. Uh, major theaters are letting staff go, and you know, I, I'm back. I'm going to see things, but yeah, for a long time it was a scary thing. I'd sit next to somebody if their mask wasn't up, I'd say, put your mask up. I'm not sure. I, I I don't know is the truth. I mean, it's definitely has changed it. it. It definitely has. But I mean, I think it will. I mean, it can't just go away completely. I mean, people will have to eventually all come back. But it did change people's habits. And it wasn't that long ago, was it, Paul? Really? I mean, we got it's just used sort of to phase. I mean, it's still look, it's still here, but it's just phased down to where it seems to be under control. Yes, absolutely. It is. And I, I, I mean, I hope it returns to how it was. I mean, I've no- I noticed a big difference in the Chicago that I came to in 2018. Forget what we did in the pandemic with Magic Immersive, because that was right in it. But from the Chicago I saw in 2018 to the Chicago now, there's definitely a change. But this morning I was down at ABC and I was looking across seeing the, uh, the-, the theatres and it was nice to see, oh, there is Hamilton, there is Cirque du Soleil, there is the, the-, the shows are here. 
because um, when I was looking down the listings before I came, it, it looked like it was a lessened offering to what I recall in 2018. But it seems to all be here. Well, I think the answer is it is all here. But what you're seeing is a lot of theaters have cut the number of productions they're doing in the course of a year. That's how they've adjusted to it. But they still. But by the way, Goodman's A Christmas Carol, phenomenal. I mean, yes, the, those those major theaters, Steppenwolf, they're still here and offline i'll tell you some of the shows you need to go see while you're here it actually this makes me want to ask you so you do get seven weeks or more in chicago what do you do on the days off do you explore do you know the city well enough that you're just fine We're trying hanging? to yeah i mean this week is this is our last week really of doing wonderful things like this poll where we get to talk about the show and we've been doing a lot of press and the reviews are done now and now we're kind of open so yeah I do have more time to go out and we have our Mondays and Tuesdays dark and we have our little girl Nevada with us. So she comes out with us across, we take her across town or then, you know, maybe we'll get in a, somebody to look after her so we can go and watch a show. Has um, she found the American girl store, whatever that thing is called. She absolutely found that. Yeah. <laughs> straight away. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and there's actually shows you could take her to. I mean, I just, before you, I talked to the cast of Teatro Zanzani, which uh, is right on Randolph, which is sort of a Cirque du Soleil meets circus, and it's in a tent, and you could bring her in. Yeah, there's so much to do in this city. This is a fabulous place to play. And I love the fact that Ricardo said there is life outside the loop, and that's why he is where he is. Yes, he is, and he's doing a phenomenal job, and, and he's still building it here. I mean, the things that he's building within the venue that are going to come up, um, I think it's some really exciting times for the Rhapsody Theatre, and I hope that um, he's now, you know, more on the map than he ever has been, and uh, and people are starting to hear about the venue and see the good work, and not just with our show, but the other the other offerings, and not only of Ricardo's, but the other wonderful magic shows he's bringing in here. So yes, I hope that it is a thriving space, and it's nice for Chicago to have a true theatrical space. You've got wonderful places like the Lounge, which is like a comedy club of magic, with also the Parlor and beautiful, incredible. Right. Um, you've got the Magic Parlor with Dennis, so this finds its own ground here. It's a true theatre for a theatrical magic show, which is where magic starts on the stage. And it's great that Chicago has one of those as a home. Do you see is Chicago something that people? I mean, I see a lot of magic. Do you want people to come back and see your show over and over again? Or is there more of a sense of, well, the more you see it, the more you're liable to figure out what I'm doing? Or is it, no, come come many times. It's fine. I think if people come, people have come again and they seem to be, they seem to enjoy it as much. Um, there are certain surprises in a magic show that are nice that the first time you see them, that if you come again, you're expecting them. But then do you ever find, Paul, that you take somebody else to see a show because you're wanting to see their reaction to that show? Absolutely. Rather than, and I think Absolutely. that's what people are doing. They're not coming again by themselves. They're bringing somebody else to watch them to think, this is a good bit. You're going to like this. And we all want to think that you remember us all at the end of the show when we see you out in the lobby. Yeah. I, I, some people do stick in my mind. <laughs> by the way, how many nights a week are you eating at J.B. Alberto's next door? Oh, <laughs> the pizza place. Um, we've grabbed it a couple of times. Uh, luckily luckily for me and my waistline, uh, <laughs> my, my partner is a celiac, so she can't eat gluten. <laughs> so we don't ah. eat in there as much, but I sometimes eat in there. Sometimes me and uh, Nevada sneak a piece of that. On the way. And it's the actually, barbecue beef sandwich I can recommend as well. It's really good. Yeah. Surprising. I actually ordered there after the show. I actually read, like, during your show, we get an intermission. I went next door during the intermission, ordered, and said, okay, I'll be back in about 45 minutes to pick it up to take it home afterwards. 
Uh, your show is so amazing. Uh, by the way, people can get tickets by going to RhapsodyTheater.com. So that's where they can get tickets to see you. But for people who just want to get to know you, and uh, what what website can they go to to learn about Jamie Allen? Uh, our website is iMagicianLive.com, which is very easy if you search. If you Google Jamie Allen, you'll find me. But of course, at the moment, you find a lot of stuff about the show here in Chicago. Uh, but yes, uh, iMagicianLive, or I'm on Facebook, Jamie Allen iMagician, which is my previous life because my show up until now was always called iMagician. So I guess we're going to have to buy another domain, Paul. I love it. By the way, I is the letter I, right? Yeah, like iPad, iPhone, iMagician. Of course, because that's so much of what you do. Jamie, your show is amazing. It's why it's called Amaze. Uh, and people, again, can go to RhapsodyTheater.com. You're here till January 7th. At least for now, January- that's the date. So don't miss it. You're, you're, it's such a treat to have you in Chicago. Please consider this a second home next to London. Uh, we, we're so honoured, Paul. We, we're very, very happy to uh, to be in town again. We love this city. It's been so good to us, and thank you to all the the people that have supported. Thank you for spending it really time with a lot. me. To a Brit to come to a Brit to come and feel so welcome in a, in a foreign land, it really does mean a lot. We're not just saying that. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you.